Welcome to Change Now. Yes, because we need to change now. Now is when your impact story starts. Listen, get inspired by visionary change makers, and be part of the change. What if we could live in a truly circular world where materials become building blocks and harder recycled plastics are remade into something better? Today, let's explore how we can use plastic waste to create a waste-free world, an infinite loop of possibilities, with Miranda Wang, co-founder and CEO of Nova Loop. Hi, everyone. My name is Miranda Wang. I'm co-founder and CEO at Nova Loop. Uh, we are a chemical upcycling startup based in Menlo Park, California. Um, and we focus on taking plastics that are hard to recycle today and using new chemical innovation to transform it into high-value performance materials. Um, so I've been working in the plastics recycling space, uh, plastic waste solution space, for over 15 years of my life. Um, I've been living and breathing this problem for a long time. And uh, since founding Novaloop eight years ago, I've been really focusing on the technology aspect of the problem. And we're currently at the point where we're at the stage right before building our first commercial facility. Um, and so we're, we're building out, we've been developing the technology over the past eight years, and now we're working on uh, completing the commercial planning for the first industrial facility. Um, and we'll soon be going out to fundraise uh, the, the capital needed to build this um, into an actual commercial factory. Um, and so um, that's a little bit about me. <laughs> um, I've had a long personal history with, with this issue. And how, um, how do you feel about the, the space? Because you're very, you have deep knowledge, you have you know, a scientific background, you, you're creating something which is hugely ambitious, I imagine, to build an industrial facility. And when we were talking, you, uh, you know, we were thinking about some of the, the, the pros and cons and, and you know, what's going on in, in, in the plastic space at this stage because it's been an issue you know it's been an issue for many many years yep. and it's kind of you still go and it's like you know what's really happening it sort of feels like we're around the edges what's what are the just sort of lay out the the scenario that as you see it yeah I, you know i think uh Spanica did a great job kind of laying <coughs> um the landscape here with the problem you know on a high level we as a society are producing over 300 million metric tons that's 300 billion kilograms of fossil-based virgin plastics every year. And a lot of this material is not just packaging, it's going into performance goods too, like your cars, your shoes, a lot of things you depend on, the, the chairs you're sitting in. Um, and the issue is that uh, since we've had plastics, you know, 50 to 70 years ago, it's come into mass, commerci mass commercialization, uh, we have not been keeping up with finding ways to make use of this material at the end of his life. Uh, recycling has been around for a really long time, but the issue is that uh, so far recycling is able to re address less than 9% of that material every year. So if you look at specific categories like you saw in you know, the video from Repurpose Global, um, a lot of the plastics that are discarded in the landfills are the lowest value plastics. So things like, you know, not, not a whole bunch of things like water bottles, because PET water bottles are actually relatively more valuable than things like trash bags. Um, you see a whole lot of these lower value materials, and they are really hard to recycle. Um, they're hard to recycle for a couple of reasons. First, they lose their structural integrity when they're put into a mechanical system where they're shredded, washed, and remelted. You can't really make very good products out of that. 
Um, second is that the cost of doing it is so high that it, it's really hard to compete with a lower performing material um, at the price of virgin fossil-based plastics. You are, you're, you're essentially competing um, at a pr price premium with a worse product. And so um, these are you know, some of the reasons why it's so hard to recycle, because plastics and material wasn't really invented to be able to be recycled very easily. Um, but we are in this, in this issue now where we're so dependent on it, we have such large volumes of it, um, it's just not okay to be able to, to, you know, to essentially continue in this linear economy model. And so what we have been working at Novaloop, my perspective on this has always been um, you know, instead of extracting the fossil fuels, um, you know, digging deeper and deeper for that, for that fresh carbon resource, we have over 8 billion tons of plastic on the surface of this planet. All the plastics we ever made are virtually still with us um, because they don't rot. <laughs> plastics uh, don't rot. They're not like compost. And so if we can find new ways to unlock the structural components in the plastics, the carbon molecules in there, and really make brand new quality goods and do so in a profitable, competitive fashion with fossil-based processes, then we can actually enable true circularity. And those are the technologies that are missing right now. And those inventions, a lot of them don't exist. Um, so, you know, in the landscape of what's out there, we have a lot of talk about mechanical recycling, but that is a space that's hit a lot of maximums. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of the work that's, that's being done is helpful to try to recover as much as you can, but we need to go beyond mechanical recycling. Compostable materials are obviously a very promising new space, it makes a lot of sense for things like food packaging, but composting something means it turns into CO2. So think about it, that's linear. Going from fossil-based, you know, a lot of compostable plastics are still made from fossil-based molecules, or maybe they're made from food sources or things that can compete with food sources. Um, and then we turn them to compostables, and then they end up becoming CO2. So that's not a perfect circular solution. A circular solution has to go from plastic waste back into new quality plastics, and then, and then go around that circle over and over again. And we don't have technologies that can do that. And with what, I mean, thank you for, you know, that's a, a comprehensive and slightly depressing, um, you know, but, mm -hmm. but, but in terms of what you're, what you're doing at Novolub, are you, are you, you're, you're doing R&D, R&D to try and find those technologies? Are you, you know, you're, you're kind of, and how confident are you? And how is the, what, what's the appetite for investors to, to help? Yeah, so um, at Novolub, we've <coughs> invented one of these technologies. Yep. Um, so, since I started working on looking at the plastic problem a little bit deeper, it became evident that if you really want to solve the 91% of the problem plastics, it's not going to be on perfecting a little bit more on the sortation technologies, or the wash technologies, or the mechanical technologies. That's not enough. You're not going to be able to dig into the 91% in a substantive way. To be able to do that, you have to create new methods to make use of those molecules in the hard to recycle plastics. And so um, that lies in chemistry. Plastics are made by chemists. You know, this is a material that is actually built with mo uh, organic molecules. So it's very interesting, you know, plastic as, as a category is a technical material like glass or metal, but is built with organic molecules, just like you know, food waste and compost and bio, uh, bio products, right? And so we have been looking at plastics solely as a technical material and thinking about cycling it as we do with metals and glass. 
but it doesn't work quite well enough that way. Um, it's, in my opinion, that is one of the biggest limiting factors of why we have not been able to go further on thinking about, you know, plastic to X. What can you make with plastic waste? And um, the solutions lie in the molecules and the chemistry of it. If you can break apart the molecules inside the plastic waste, purify it, and restructure those molecules and resynthesize them in a way such that you get brand new performance, you get high value from that material, then you're changing the game on what's possible to be created from plastic waste. And so what we do at Novalube is we invented a new chemical process that essentially, would, when it's scaled up, becomes a new value chain. So we start with polyethylene waste. Polyethylene is things like trash bags, uh, pallet wrap, shrink wrap, a lot of that food packaging uh, in the you know, thin, thin film form that you use and throw away. There's just really very little recycling for that. Um, and so we take that material, and that material is really hard even chemically to break apart. Um, because it's a, you know, it, it's a really long linear chain of carbons. And so carbon bonds have a lot of energy embedded in them, and to break them apart, you traditionally have to put a lot of energy. And so what we do here is instead of some approaches that big chemical oil companies are doing, which is they're trying to turn that plastic back into oil by putting it into a, a really you know, hot reactor um, in vacuum of oxygen, and they're just trying to uh, pyrolyze it into oil, and then they're taking that oil and trying to put it into a refinery and keep the refineries up. The issue with that technology is that you actually cannot achieve 100% uh, recovery rate on those molecules. A lot of those molecules are going to have all sorts of problems, like cross-linkages, so you can't really make use of a lot of that. You still end up having to use a lot of virgin fossil fuels to be able to keep that process up. So we thought, what if we went a different approach? What if instead of making oil, we break apart that, that linear chain of carbons into shorter chains, um, these small chemical base units or building blocks, if you will, and use them to build into a higher value material, something inherently higher value than the thing we started with. You start with a trash bag, and then you make something as a polyurethane, right? So that's an example of our first product, the thermoplastic polyurethane. And that's a material that can be used over and over again, many years. It's an elastic material that's highly abrasion resistant. You can use it to build shoes and cars and use it for many years. That's something that's worth 30 to 50 times more, just in natural value. And today, we are not even able to make that from anything that originates from waste, right? So that is the power of being able to think about and essentially rebuild materials on, on a chemical level. Which is an extraordinary, <coughs> it's extraordinary to be able to do that, as you say, and, and transformational to this whole debate. Tell us about your partnership with, with On Shoes. Bring it to, to life, because I think you have, you've, got, you've got a partnership, and they're using uh, performance materials in, in some of their shoes, right? Right, how's, yeah. How's so that? And, and explain how that works. Yeah, so, so we've been focusing um, at Novalube on not only the process development, which is this core technology um, that we've created that decomposes the polyethylenes to make the chemical building blocks. And then from there, we synthesize them into a much higher, innately higher performing, higher value product. It's called a thermoplastic polyurethane. Um, and TPU is used, used in a lot of com consumer applications. So things that you're all you're using every day, even your you know your cables. Um, say you know we've, when you're wearing headphones, your cable, uh, the white cable liners. If you have an Apple product, um, it's in consumer electronics, it's in cars. 
even in, if you're sitting in a car, the lumbar support inside the car, you know, it's got an air bladder. That film layer is made with TPU. If you're wearing a waterproof jacket, the adhesives and the seams are made of TPU. So this is a product that is like in everyone's lives and 99% of the market of that product is all coming from fossil base because it's so high performing that people are not, co companies are not able to buy something lower performing from mechanical recycling. So, um, you know, we, we have been addressing specifically uh, the application space for this material in footwear. And last year we showcased a shoe uh, with, with On, a Swiss athletic brand On, um, and the shoe is called Cloud Prime. Yep. Um, and we contributed to the world's first chemically upcycled TPU outsole on the shoe. And this, what, what was remarkable about this is that not only was this outsole uh, material chemically made from plastic, plastic waste that was hard to recycle normally, but also that material was able to pass laboratory and athlete on-foot testing with comparable performance to uh, the virgin quality TPUs that are made today by large commercial suppliers um, directly from fossil fuel. We have been able to, to reach uh, performance parity and in some cases an abrasion wear resistance, even better performance. There was more traction, for example, when the athlete noted that this, the shoe was, yep. was even you know, a little bit better on grip, on wet surfaces. So that's remarkable, because <laughs> usually when you talk about recycling, you make crappier products, um, and you have to compete on the price. But when you change that aspect, and you can make similar, similar performing or even better performing products, and offer it at a carbon reduction, so we have an up to 41% lower CO2 footprint in our final product compared to the fossil equivalent, um, as well as price parity. So this whole thing is the process we have allows us to be at price parity with the fossil-based equivalent. So that means to the customers, to the, to the brands, when they're looking at sourcing, they're not choosing between sustainability and their bottom line. And we have known for a long time now that if you make companies choose between those two yep. things, sustainability is going to have to lose. Yeah. Um, so when you remove the economic decision factor f away from this, um, the, the purely the sustainability is, is essentially the reason for the switching cost. Um, and, and I really believe that this is what it takes to be able to get more of the economy buying into circular products. I mean, amazing, you know, I think that wor that's worth a round of applause for, because that you are proving, <coughs> you're proving that this, this is so difficult to do and you're proving that not only can you do it, but you can better performance, less CO2 and, you know, and same brands and, bra and same price. And I think, you know, the, the amount of times it's like, you know, it's, it's more expensive, can't do it, as you say, sustainability, unfortunately you know, is, is difficult if it's not the same price. So some of the conversation we were having earlier about some of the brands saying, you know, it needs to be at the same price, and you're a, you know, you're a proof point of this. So we've got very little time left, Miranda, but just give us a perspective in, in the kind of, you're in, you're in West Coast uh, of the United States. Um, is there an appetite for all of this? Is there how you feel, you know, the investment community, you know, the, the, is, it, is this, this uh, going to be a thing, or is it, kind of tough at the beginning. I mean, you've got, you've got this great relationship with a, with a Swiss company, so you had to come all, over here, all the way over here to, to find someone to partner with for that. But how's it, how's it feel on this journey? Well, I have to just first throw out that I think, um, from my experiences in business, a lot of Swiss companies have been some of the most innovative and most forward-looking. Um, so just to call out, you know, On has yep. been a remarkable partner for us to yep. work with. Uh, Rolex, for example, supported us um, yep. when we were at an early technology development stage and 
uh, awarded us with the uh, with with a uh, awards of enterprise um, grant. So I have a lot of good things to say about them. <laughs> um, but from the other side of just investors in in the U.S., you know, they're. Over the past couple of years, um, there's been a huge gr amount of growth going into climate technologies. Um, the challenge is uh, there are gaps in the funding. It's not like software where you can um, have these seamless transitions as you go through the different phases of yeah. growth as a company. Um, in the space we are in, when you're dealing with first deep tech, you are in pre-revenue stages for a long time. Um, that's a world that they're not used to. If you're in software, you want to see uh, organic revenue growth. You want to see being able to, to grow that when you inject new capital. But if you are building something like ours, where essentially you're selling materials, but if you don't have a plant, you cannot sell materials and, and generate commercial level revenues, right? Um, these are unfamiliar territories for investors. Um, and they're learning, they're trying to learn how to digest and understand yeah. and mount this risk curve. Um, the challenge right now also in the global economic landscape is the high cost of capital. And I think this is going to significantly make it harder for companies that are building first of its kind commercial scale ups to be able to access the capital they need. I mean, we're talking about in private equity expectations, um, you know, 20, 25% IRR unlevered, yeah. Yeah. you know, and uh, based if you do project financing, 15% easy on an annual interest rates, right? This is, this is very high cost compared to what yeah. we've seen before. Um, and that means your project needs to not just be good, you, ne you need to convince the investors that there's low risk enough that you can generate those returns as soon as, you know, the plan is up and you can hit the ground running. Um, so there's very little room for error. Um, and uh, that's very challenging. But with all that being said, there is appetite for this. Um, there are mandates for how the money has to be yep. invested. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, it, it comes down to the strongest projects. So I think that's, I mean, that's a very good just snapshot of, of you know, some of the challenges, but also some of the opportunity. And, and unfortunately, we now have to draw this to a close. But, but Miranda, um, I would back you. You know, I think you are a force of nature. I think this lady will make this happen. I can see the nodding in the audience. I think she's absolutely incredible. And, you know, again, thank you so much for coming to Change Now.